I'm Carrie Brett, and this is Shot at Love. This week, I have the privilege to highlight the incredible story of Charlie Cifarelli. Charlie had everything in life he set out to achieve until one day his world fell apart over a national story about a dog named Star. What started as a journey to save a dog in turn would save him. Star taught Charlie everything he needed to learn about love. Charlie went from having a transactional life with value on useless things and realized what he thought he wanted didn't make him happy. We look for love because we believe it will complete us, but the truth is love is universal. We can be in a relationship or have a dream home or career, yet often it does not equate to happiness. When we come back, Charlie will share his tips around having a successful relationship, why comparison is the thief of joy, the value of finding purpose, and why having gratitude is most important. You won't want to miss it, so stay tuned. Charlie Cifarelli is an author, motivational speaker, businessman, and dog lover with a focus on rescues. In fact, he has seven. In his early 20s, he became homeless and addicted to drugs. He went into recovery after being directed to a monastery where he got clean and sober finally after numerous attempts. Circumstances led him to the Midwest where he lived in Nebraska for 25 years, working at three maximum security prisons. He worked on death row, connecting with inmates on a deep level that he became the inmates favorite. After seeing enough sadness, he started a trash business with the hopes of having a life of freedom and happiness, which only made him miserably comfortable. It wasn't until August 13, 2012 that his world would collide with a dog who was reported to be killed in New York City by a police officer while protecting her owner, who was homeless. For the first time in Charlie's life, he believed in something he couldn't see at the corner of 14th and 2nd. Today, Charlie shares his story of love, love for his little girl star, his Snoopy, a dog so special, she's on Wikipedia with the likes of Rin Tin Tin and Lassie. Charlie believes love starts in many places and carries over. He'll share how Rescuing Star connected him with people globally. This is such a beautiful story of redemption and hope. So without further ado, welcome, Charlie Cifarelli. Thank you, Carrie. Wow, I got a, my, my eyes are a little moist. That story uh, never gets old, even hearing it. Oh, I know how much you loved your little Snoopy, your star, and how much she taught you. And today we're going to talk about all of that. I want to talk about your complicated past. That's where I want to start. At one point, you were living a life of total chaos, addicted to drugs, and you had a dog that was taken from you named Cain. I know this experience profoundly changed you. What did you learn about this time in your life? You know, Carrie, we're going back into the 80s, and I'm addicted to drugs, and I'm addicted to alcohol, and I rescued a dog in Brooklyn that was on a short leash on a hot summer day with hardly any water. And Cain was like this little lion that needed love and a dad. And I gave this dog a home and it taught me to care for something. And that was the first time that I really felt, I got to be honest, the first time in my life, I was in my early 20s, the first time I was able to give and receive love. Oh, wow. Your parents ended up taking the dog. You, you had to take care of yourself first. I did. And, and it was the best situation. They took the dog. I had to take care of myself because I couldn't take care of myself or the dog at that point. And it is miraculous that you got sober and we connected through addiction. 
because I lost my cousin three years ago and I saw the war on drugs up close and personal and most people don't make it to the other side. And after several attempts, you get sober and you fall in love with your fiance, Jen. I do. And she seems like she's kind of like a guardian angel too, like Star. She really is. She's uh, she's a constant. She's been my savior in a lot of situations because uh, once I got clean and sober, I, I excelled. I mean, I put all that energy to excelling and getting a life that Instagram kind of shows, but not the real life that my favorite movie, It's a Wonderful Life. I went in the wrong direction. And it wasn't until you bring these dogs into your world did your relationship change? I don't think anybody is a, is a professional in relationships. I think we all, it's a learning curve and it's a growing curve. And generally, when I met Jen, she was so beautiful. I even wondered why she was interested in me. <laughs> I mean, I was introduced to her by a mutual friend. And when her back was to me and she turned around, I felt like I was about, you know, a child again. I mean, I, I couldn't get my words out. But the dogs took the focus off of that and the relationship and focused on the dogs and helped us build a stronger, authentic relationship. And it neutralized my strong personality in some areas and areas that I was weak that needed some strength. You were surprised that Jen saw so much in you. And I think a lot of people don't realize how special they are. And I recently saw this when you had some feedback about my friend Marissa, who I helped get votes for her little rescue Blythe yes. in a Halloween costume. And she's a beautiful actress model. And you said to me, the dog really makes her more approachable. And I thought that was so interesting. Well, that was the problem I was having with Jen. It was just, you know, direct her looking at me, me looking at her. And, you know, I just got to tell you, it's sometimes it's intimidating. I think a lot of people don't pursue the person that they think they would like to be with because they're intimidated or they just don't have the gumption to push themselves out and to start a conversation even if they do, if there's nothing relatable early on, I mean, you could fumble. And that's what I was going on with Jen in the early parts of our relationship. And so the dogs are huge neutralizers and it makes the walls come down and makes you more human and more relatable. And I think this is going to be really interesting to kind of dig deep around this throughout this episode. But I want to stay with the story of Star and you end up in Nebraska and you're with Jen and you're building a life there and you're doing great because there's structure and consistency in your job at the Department of Corrections, but you still have a hole in your heart. I do. I do. And I don't tell anybody about this hole. I became literally an actor. I mean, there are actors in the movies and on TV. I became an actor in my life. I never told anybody about my past. Um, outside of my recovery group, or I never really got into the fact that I had lost this dog and that I was still hurting for that. And I had worked in the Department of Corrections and that catapulted me into starting my own business that was successful. And I just did retail therapy. Retail therapy. So many people have done that. And you saw that like crazy during the pandemic, which was surprising to me because I'm like, why are you spending? We're in a pandemic. But people will do what 
they need to do to feel complete or what they think will make them feel whole. And so you start this business and you realize that having a girlfriend, the cars, the money, the retail therapy isn't working. Not working. And I'm going to share this with you because I think that people need to hear where I was at at this point. The year is 2012. I had a business consultant that followed me around for a few months in my business because we're always looking to expand. He brought me to his house in Omaha, Nebraska. I'll never forget this. And he was a professional. He's an attorney slash business consultant. And his wife was a radiologist. And there was a painting of three dogs on the wall in his home. And I had blocked out that I had lost my dog so hard. that I said, Dave, uh, you got a painting of your dogs? He said, yeah, that's my family. I, he says, me and my wife elected not to have children. We are, we're dog parents. And I didn't say much, but he knew me enough after three months. He goes, you find that odd, don't you, Charlie? I said, well, it's different. He said, I'm going to tell you, I know you well enough. And Nebraska folks, Midwest folks kind of keep their opinions to themselves. I mean, that's a nice quality about them, but they're tracking. And he said to me, um, if you don't find something in this life to give you some happiness that doesn't pay you money, you're not going to have a happy, long life. So I would suggest that you find something that gives you purpose, that gives you love, that makes you want to get out of the bed in the morning and start your day with a smile. And I took all that in. Little did I know that the biggest rescue of my life was going to be right around the corner. That was the prelude to what me saving star. So that was what happened shortly before. On an August day in 2012, you're sitting at your desk and you're checking the news in New York because that's where you grew up. Yeah. And the Daily Paper has a story about a pit bull named Star. And like you said, you weren't looking for this. And everything in your life changed. It changed so much, Carrie. I felt like I got kicked in the stomach by a horse. I couldn't even get my composure. And I would later learn why. And I'm a man, like you said in the intro, I had worked death row, worked three maps in security prisons and been homeless in New York. But yet this story of a dog being shot and her own homeless owner laying in the street just tore me apart. And the headlines were bleak. The dog was dead. But the press didn't report the truth because there was so much outrage over this dog being shot in the head and then maced that they felt it was easier to say that the dog had passed than the dog was clinging on for dear life. Yes. But something inside you knew that she was alive, that she had to be. It's the first time in my life that I was a scorekeeping transactional guy that only believed what I could see, had faith that was incredible. It was such strong faith that you understand they put a video on the Daily News of this horrific incident. And I'm one that normally turns away from horrific. I mean, I've seen enough of my life. I called in everybody into my office and it was unanimous. Charlie, the dog is gone. It's very sad. But I didn't believe it, Kerry. I believe the dog lived. I believe the dog lived. I believe the dog lived so much so that I called the consultant up and I said, Dave, I know what you're talking about. I got purpose right now. I know what I'm going to do with my life. I'm going to save this dog. And he pulled up on his phone. He pulled up the story. He goes, I, Charlie, I, I didn't have this in mind. I was thinking about you starting on a happier note. And I said, this dog is alive. I know it. And that's where I started this rescue from. Now, this was no small undertaking. You got the largest whiteboard you could. And essentially, you walked away from the life that you created. And you spent every waking moment from August to December to find her. Is that right? 
That's absolutely true. I went from, you know, worrying about 125 employees, 6,500 trash customers to focusing on this dog because I would find out later this dog had to live so I could live. I literally felt that I had to save this dog. And you got to understand the dog's making major headlines. She's making global headlines. The, the, the UK Daily Mail knows about it. Everybody's reaching out. I start a Facebook page, Star the New York Pitbull. And I have people reaching out from all over the world. And now the headlines go a couple of days later, well, the dog is alive, but prognosis is grim. And then eventually, you know, the headlines continue. She's covered in New York Magazine, People Magazine, every Gothamist. And then what happens is, the dog gets lawyers. I mean, that's one of the, if you want to talk to the dog, talk to a lawyer. So she wound up getting a legal team that stepped in for her. And ultimately, they took the dog because of how high profile she was. They renamed her Shiloh and they put her in a sanctuary far away from New York City. So this story would go away. <laughs> it's unbelievable. And then you find a photograph and that was the break in the case that you needed. Yes, I always stayed in contact with her legal team. I always stayed, and although I was a squeaky wheel, eventually they posted photos online about her, and there was enough there with my background, and I had people helping me along the way. I eventually locate her in a Philadelphia sanctuary under a new name, and the staff didn't even know this dog's incredible history, but I have to make a deal with them. I could go visit the dog, but I can't say where she is. And I get on a plane from Nebraska and go out to Philadelphia. That's where she was. There's articles written about it. Dog's number one fan meets her. Photographs are taken. But their goal is to let this story fade away and go away. And I am not the guy that they want to have adopt this dog because I'm the one that created so much attention on this dog's life. You're the one who poked the nest. I did. You did. You go and you meet her and you're like, she's doing great. And she ends up getting the treats in your pocket, in your jacket. Yeah. I love that. And if you have something that pulls at your heart so much and it becomes your purpose, and I know this from creating this show, while running a full-time photography studio, it was like, this was my mission to create Shot at Love and to help one person at a time. And people thought I was crazy, and but it was just, this is what I was going to do <laughs> because I felt so strongly. And I remember you telling me how much pressure this put on your relationship because you were just consumed with Star. And it was Jen, when you came home, who convinced you that you needed to see this through to the end. Carrie, this is so powerful. We had a standard of living. I'm a business guy and I'm losing it over this dog. And I'm spending every waking moment to try to find this dog. Because later on, I would discover that when I saw her and a homeless owner laying on the streets, I identified with them. That was my dog, Kane, and that was me. I identified with that homeless guy. I couldn't go back and fix my past. I couldn't go back and undo the damage that happened to me and other things. But I felt as though I could help this homeless man, which I reached out and tried to help him, and I could help his dog. And my goal was initially to reunite them. That was my goal. If I would have had a weak relationship, it would have never lasted because people have fear of financial insecurity, fear of me losing it. 
while all this is happening, I'm getting a lot of publicity. I mean, I'm getting a lot of people reaching out to me. Jen was hanging in there with all this going on. You become a celebrity, star becomes a celebrity, people become attracted to you because of your heart and your good nature, and they tie themselves to your story, and you're viral, and that brings a whole nother level of things. Jen just really became a rock and knew what was best for you, and she put her own feelings aside. When I met Star, after the six months, August and December, I met her, and I saw she was okay, and she was recovering. I wanted to go back to work. I wanted to go back to the life that I was living prior to Star being shot. I wanted to go and continue building the trash business. But Jen was a roadblock to that. And she says, no, you're going to rescue that dog and you're going to give that dog a home. This story's not over. Wow. So it's really where you learned the importance of choosing the right partner. Yes. Because like you said, the whole thing would have fallen apart if it was a different person. As we know, a lot of times people are preoccupied with their careers, their hobbies, how many relationships don't make it. And this was an example where she could have said, enough is enough. I mean, choose. It's either me or the dog. And that never even came up. She was more concerned for my health because I just was that focused on saving this dog's life. Yeah. So now your life changes on such a grand scale. And Star connects you to people all over the world and people who are suffering want to be near her. And Star was a healer and a 56-pound Buddha who spread love. And you sent sick people locks of her hair. This was fascinating to me. Even John Gotti's hitman wanted to hug her. He did. That's so (laughs) crazy to me. But she was the ultimate underdog who made people feel so good. And she made you a citizen of the world. How did Star change your life in such a positive way? Well, first of all, I had a narrow because I grew up in New York. And when you grew up in New York, Carrie, I'm going to say this, you kind of think you're famous. It's a, it's, it's, you're really self-consumed because you got all this action around you. You think the world really is right here and don't exceed. You know, you're by coastal. It's uh, the East River and, and the Hudson River. I mean, it just you have a different look on life. So once Star was shot, I never thought any more about the coastal parts of the U.S. going from Maine to California. I had people all over the world reaching out to me, all over the world. Anything I thought changed. I thought, are people in Syria interested in this story? Sure enough. Are people in Vietnam? Sure enough. The UK, you name the place and people are reaching out to me. And they're reaching out to me. People that are suffering from health problems are reaching out to me because Star gave them hope that they are not dead. It's an exaggeration like the Mark Twain quote that death is just an exaggeration when he's told about his own passing, that it's not reality. So that's what Star did for people. That became a pretty profound deal where people asked for locks of her hair and something from her. It's crazy. I mean, she's just a little, like you said, you were surprised how small she was when you first met her. Yes. It's amazing. If you bring me along and Star, because we both, the the dog loved her. She's always smiling. Jen's very involved with Alzheimer's uh, Foundation, does the walks. She lost a grandmother to it. And there's no survivor's walk to Alzheimer's. So she said to me, um, um, you could bring Star because I wanted to do a walk in Lincoln, Nebraska. She said, yeah, you could bring Star. Uh, I want to put a purple tutu on her, which she did. And Star went along with it. 
The problem was the news covered Star more than they covered the Alzheimer's event, which <laughs> wasn't that great. I mean, they, they put the cameras right on Star because actually they did the right thing because there was a lot of hurting people that were suffering because people have loved ones that are dying from this disease and they know they're not going to recover. And so much so that it took people from all walks of life to get and ask me if they could hug my dog. I'll never forget, it started with this big tall fella. He says, can I take a photo of your dog? Like, sure. Do you mind if I hug your dog? And he hugged Star, which seemed like forever. And then he stood up. I said, are you okay? He says, well, I'm losing my wife from this disease. Mm. And I always like to ask people their backgrounds. He said to me, I'm a federal judge. And I just realized that love takes away all boundaries, all names, backgrounds. It doesn't matter. And that's what she exuded. See, I know pit bulls get a bad rap and, you know, they've been abused and then they act out and bad stuff. I don't get involved in that controversy. But here's what I do know. No one ever asked me what kind of dog Star was because what they saw was her smile and her love that she gave. The journey with her was incredible. From children that couldn't hear or couldn't speak to people that got a new diagnosis to cancer and didn't tell their family, but Star wouldn't leave their side. To her teaching me how to care for myself and love myself. To learning how to be more accepting. You see, love doesn't have boundaries. And you cannot say, I only love this or I only love that. It's in your heart. And when that's in your heart and that's what you're consumed by, the thoughts of opinions go by the wayside. It changed my life. You could never get me on Facebook or Instagram taking a position in this or that. I don't. I leave that to other people. I want to heal and bask in the goodness of what this dog has brought. And one thing also, Carrie, is this. Start changed my perception of the news. Instead of looking at the news and saying, oh my goodness, how many bad things are happening? She made me think about how many pockets of goodness there is. And that's the goodness that I keep on coming into. Yeah, I like that, Charlie, because I grew up in the newspaper business. I saw my dad, who worked at the Globe for 55 years, focus on the good, even in the most difficult things that he had to cover. And humanity, I believe, is good. I do believe people are good. And I love that Alzheimer's story. My, I lost my grandmother to that disease as well. And it's long and it's difficult. And you're right. The news did do a good thing that day. They focused on her in the purple tutu. <laughs> yes, they did. And it really changed the whole event. The, the whole event got changed. She became, And then, of course, years after that, Everybody started bringing their dogs and lighting the, the event went from an event where there's no survivors walking, we all know that, to a happier event. How great would it be to find the love of your life, the man of your dreams? Do you believe online dating would work if you had the right tools to be successful? Well, I have exciting news. I've created your best shot at love masterclass. I cannot wait to share with you what's worked for me in my life and for many of my clients that have helped over the years. If you enroll in this class, you have a winning mindset and believe in getting help before you start something new. If you're ready to see changes in your dating life and want to take 
take action, check out my free webinar at shotatlove.co. If you decide you're going to choose another path, that you're worth it and you're willing to enroll in the masterclass, you can also register at shotatlove.co. I designed this masterclass specifically for you to be successful. Please know that everything you're going to learn in these nine modules and six coaching calls has been carefully curated for you so you can gain the success you truly want. I will be there for you the whole time. In the meantime, I wish you all the success and I can't wait to hear about your story of finding love. I'm Carrie Brett and I will be your mentor and friend through this incredible journey. When looking for love, why should we look for values like loving animals or having compassion for others? Why should we use that as the barometer or the guidepost? Well, it changes us. It changes our chemistry. There is definitely a phenomenon that goes on when we're in a love, in a grateful mode. There's no doubt that we put out a different vibe. We attract different scenarios in our life. And it's very important that we have value for that. And that becomes the benchmark. You know, imagine starting your day. And instead of starting your day with a morning gratitude or a morning prayer, you start to stay angry. I mean, it would change the whole chemistry of the day and what you would attract would not be a happy part of your day. It's true. And you mentioned something earlier that I wanted to touch upon. You said you could focus on the negatives, you could focus on the pain, or you can focus on the love. And caring for an animal helps somebody who might not be able to practice self-love for themselves, but it helps them break down the walls, makes them appear more approachable and relatable. And it's the same thing if you have kids, and I know myself because I dated with a child as a single mom, when you have to put the focus on somebody else other than yourself, you present differently. You really do. And it makes you fun. It makes you not pretentious. Think about this, Carrie. Folks that have children have got to change diapers, keep clean, they have to do that. Us who are dog lovers have to go in our yards and pick up after these dogs. So number one, there's a level of humility that comes. And we're reminded that no matter if we're a CEO or a CFO, that in the morning routine, we're cleaning up after our dog. And the other thing is, it's in caring for the dog that we learn how to care for ourselves. I remember somebody saying this years ago. I had Cain. And I was explaining how I made a little stool so you don't have to bend down to drink his water or eat his food and how I brush his hair. And this man, he was a little too direct. He said, you should care for yourself the same way you care for that dog. But I never forgot that. So when caring for Star helped me care for myself. And how did I care for myself? Well, outwardly, I look fine. I do the, the health routine and the clothes. So I had that part. But I didn't care for myself inside. When you don't care for yourself inside and you don't look in the mirror and get to really know who's in that mirror and smile at yourself and not take yourself so serious or take yourself so harsh, that's where goodness comes out of that. And I got to tell you something. When I leave the house, when I look in the mirror and I smile back at myself, I don't care if I'm going to a supermarket. We could be in a pandemic, Carrie, and I have people next to me because I'm putting out good energy. Sometimes I have to wonder, in the height of this thing, uh, we're supposed to keep a six-foot difference, but if I'm in the protocile, I have people right next to me <laughs> because people are attracted 
to that good energy you're putting out is healing. No different than, I have to say, years and years ago, when I was working in the Department of Corrections, which is a tough line of work, if I turned the aisle in Barnes & Noble, people paused. My energy from dealing with inmates every single day, violent ones, I had to have a lot of walls up. And I really had to tap into my toxic masculinity to survive in that line of work. Well, it's no different than if you're tapping into the goodness. And that is really important. Present the best you, the best self to yourself. That's the most important thing. Really get to know yourself and make peace with yourself. And once you make peace with yourself, it's incredible how your world will grow. It's so true. And you spoke about the harshness and being so critical. You always say you never let yourself get too high on the highs or too low on the lows. And I think you're going through a difficult time or there is sickness in your life. I think to stay grounded or to do your best is a really good tip. Yes. And Carrie, because I'm sober and because I live a lifestyle of sobriety in all areas, it means that I don't numb my feelings anymore. I don't numb them in a bag of potato chips. I don't numb them by doing reckless spending. I have to own my feelings. And if I don't, I'm going to suffer. One of the greatest benchmarks of how you're doing is how do you sleep at night? Mm. And I used to take a series of naps, and that's not the case anymore. When I lay down at night, I go to bed, and I get restful sleep. Uh, it's, it's a heck of a process. My male friends do notice, and they notice I have this life. You know, they want advice, and I don't give advice. I just give suggestions. And I always tell somebody that's looking for love or looking to meet their soulmate, to really put time into themselves because that is going to be the best course of putting the energy out because it'll happen. It will happen. It's true. So if you're looking for love, put the focus on yourself, find things that lift you up, that give you joy. I'm telling you, get a dog. <laughs> really get a dog. And the nice thing about dogs is that it allows you get to know people. When you're in rescue or you're involved with your dogs, even going to a dog park, it allows you to get to meet people without no expectations. You know, I don't know me personally. If I was single, the amount of stress it would be to meet someone online and then meet them for coffee or meet them for dinner, that seems very stressful to me. What doesn't seem stressful is to have a commonality and to meet. And you might find the people that you initially liked at the dog park for possibly a romantic future is probably maybe not the one and something else will present itself. And that person may be a, a bigger surprise to you. I think love is blind to that where you don't, you might think you know what you want. And when it shows up, you're like, wow. And I think that's what happened to be with Jen. Luckily for me, Jen was so much more than just a pretty package. And you talk about this because you said to me one time, that people show up as an empty suit in a relationship and they're looking for the wrong things and putting the focus on materialistic things. Being somebody who moved away from acquiring things, you realize that you're not going to be validated at the top and that there is more joy in less and no joy in more. Can you talk about this? Well, more creates something that is really not intimate. It's not intimate. Now, I've done it for, for the listeners. I've done the research. I mean, I had a successful trash business and I went through the car buying phases, the Bentleys, the Ferrari. I tried to do everything I could 
to try possibly to impress Jen. I probably was subliminally trying to impress her because with every relationship comes another problem. There's fear because when you fall for someone, you're also scared, at least I was, of losing them. At least I did not know how to act in this relationship because Jen laid her cards on the table and she was who she was and she was able to have these conversations and look directly at me. And I just was not prepared for a real relationship. I had been in relationships prior that would just surface. I think it's really easy to be physical with somebody, but it's really hard to have those morning after conversations, those car rides, those times that you're not doing the following, physical, eating, sleeping, but just there talking about feelings. That's tough. I had to rewatch the movie that I love. It's a Wonderful Life. And I think Jimmy Stewart, for those that liked the movie, he had that disease of same elsewhere. He wanted to impress Mary. He wanted to travel the world. He wanted to do all this. When his real happiness was under the roof with his woman that loved him and he loved her. But so often people are, and, and I'm guilty of it, and many men that I know have been guilty of it, they go so far in the wrong direction to try to have intimacy with someone they want, might want to be involved with or to keep a relationship going down the path. I live on a lot of acres, rolling hills in Pennsylvania. I'm not a hunter. I have so much wildlife that walks by me like commuters. I mean, whether it be bears, whether it be deer, foxes, we have an eagle that lives outside the window of our bedroom because they know that they are not my prey. And that energy that I put out, they know they're safe. I think the same thing, I don't think, I know, the same thing goes with trying to meet somebody. It's hard to fake being cool, but there are things you can do so that you could be more relaxed. And I've learned from sobriety that there are things I can do to be more relaxed and to have deeper conversations with Jen. And that's whether I'm doing deep breathing, that's whether I'm really meticulous on my diet, doing my maintenance that I need, my self-care, so that I'm presenting myself undistracted to her rather than going in nine different directions. But I think what you do is you focus on humility, you focus on, you move away from ego, and that's a practice that's mindful. One of your favorite sayings is, comparison is the thief of joy. I can't say it enough times a week. It really is. And I think that we live in a world today which has got a lot of optics. And those optics aren't reality. And those optics, even if they were reality, wouldn't grant you the intimacy and the peace and the happiness and the love you're looking for. It's really a simple life is really a quality life because you wind up getting the best things in life. And I got to tell you, those things are not for sale. And they, they must be earned. Here's the other thing, Kerry. No matter how much money somebody has or power, that does not ensure them love. Matter of fact, it makes it harder for them to get love. It's very hard to allow ourselves to be. And a lot of times, me as a guy, I have more fear than Jen as a woman. I find that I have my walls up and won't really leave myself as vulnerable and say how I feel or what I fear. But when I do, I got to tell you, it really brings us together. Now, me and Jen have experienced a lot of things. She's a successful recruiter in the medical industry. I've had my own level of success. We did something last week that I will remember forever. We went out to dinner. and We both weren't interested in our food. We played with our food. And we both wanted to hang out with each other. Like we were still like we were 
18 years old. If I could turn the clock back. What happened was we left the restaurant. And we went up to our property and went on the tallest part of the hill. The moon was just right. Put the music on. We didn't go in the house because remember, I got seven rescue dogs. And we sat on our property looking at the moon, hanging out with each other. And I got to tell you, I felt like a kid again. And I had such a great time with her. It was like I just met her. It was like this girl I just met and we're hanging out on our first date. And that is something that some work had to go in to have that happen. But it did. When that energy connects like that, it's like ether. It's amazing. But you stripped it all down. See, you removed the focus on the fancy dinner or the cars or the nice clothes. And you went out into space, into the universe. Yeah. You know, you really stripped it down. But then you also probably started your day with love and gratitude. And that just kept building and building throughout the day. I think, and I'm not sure, but I think you probably believe the same thing, that if you start with gratitude, you can use the act of gratitude to find love. Do you think that's true? Oh, I got to tell you, that is true. Because when you're in a grateful state, it shows. When, you, when you're grateful, you're okay in everything you do. You're even okay if you're stuck in traffic because you know that's where you need to be right now. And there's a bigger force at work. Very important. I love that. Charlie, this is such an amazing episode. I love the story of Star. You had no idea, but you were Star's biggest fan. And yeah. she changed your whole life. And I'll tell you, I'm your biggest fan because hearing you speak, <laughs> you lift everyone up just like Star does. And thank you for sharing your story and all your wisdom around love. Where can people find out more about you or follow you on social media or purchase your book? They can go to charliecifarelli.com. I answer all messages. They can connect me on uh, Instagram, Facebook, uh, LinkedIn, if they want to go business and see my background there and maybe I can help you or follow me on Twitter. Okay. Charlie Cifarelli. Oh, you're such a beautiful soul. Thank you so much for coming on Shot at Love today. Thank you. And for now, this week, Shot at Love dating tips that are inspired by our guest, Charlie Cifarelli. Number one, if we want a healthy and significant partner, we have to get healthy ourselves. Number two, comparison is the thief of joy. Those optics aren't reality. A simple life is a quality life, and that kind of life is not for sale. Number three, if you're looking for love, get a dog. That way, you're able to meet people without expectations. I hope you found some of my tips helpful this week. This is what Shot at Love is here for, to help you find love. Keep up the commitment to yourself and commit to helping someone else by sharing this show, which airs five days a week on Power Me Up Radio Talk 24-7, the station with heart on iHeart. I'm Carrie Brett, and we'll see you next time.